Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. In this week's message by Tom Hughes, we continue our study in the book of Daniel. In chapter 4, we see the king punished for his pride and then redeemed by God. We'll learn that sometimes God has to hurt us to heal us. Let's get started. So here's where we are tonight, Daniel chapter 4. We are going to be looking at the subject that comes up in Daniel chapter 4. It's, it's a false security, a, a false prosperity, actually. And uh, so let's get a, a little bit of an idea as Daniel lays down so much of what is going on uh, in the future, the days, uh, the last days. Uh, in fact, one of my friends at the conference in Oklahoma said, uh, he was teaching, he said, if you want to have a handle on the book of Revelation, start with Daniel. If you want to know what's coming, start with Daniel, and you get a good foundation to lay for the book of Revelation and uh, the days leading up to the second coming of Christ. So with that, we know what some of the signs are to look for. Globalism, Daniel lets us know about that. The, the New World Order, uh, the covenant with the, uh, the Antichrist and uh, to divide Jerusalem, and so many different things Daniel gives us insight on. And so when we look at the news, we're able to uh, get an idea. We're start to, we're, we can assess things. Um, Google, creator of covert godlike artificial intelligence tool. Um, I, I shared at, with our high school ministry a few days ago a prophecy uh, just on the mark of the beast, and uh, I think I scared some of them too much. I think I got some parents mad at me. But, um, but you, you look at this and, and the intent to bring in this, this, this uh, religious system in technology uh, where you, it, it involves tracking, it involves worship, it involves everything. And as we look, if you, know, if you remember the movie Terminator, how many of you remember that? Did you like it? There's another one coming, you know. You going to see it? Oh, yeah. I, 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 what? You guys look at me like I'm the devil. Listen, I'm looking, what? So I want to go see it. I like the first one. And this, I look at this, I think, man, so many of these things, they're not following the Bible script, but man, you can see the direction of technology and what the Bible lays out. Fascinating days that we live in. UK ex-spy chief reveals big tech companies like Google and Facebook know more about you, uh, more about us uh, than MI5. Uh, and, and you look at this, or, uh, they're the equivalent of the CIA over in the UK. You look at this and you go, yes, they do. They know everything about you. Um, I think the high schoolers were shocked when I said that. And I said, you guys got smartphones. You know, listen, you know. Uh, people who don't have smartphones, they have flip phones, you know, some in, in this generation um, think they're not being tracked. Listen, you are. Since the day you were born, everything started getting inputted into some type of data. Uh, even before computers, it was written down. There's always been data collecting. Eventually, a data collecting will be used against anybody who doesn't worship Antichrist. But I don't think, I, I, I'm not planning on being here. I plan on being raptured, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, then uh, this is just a reminder of this volatile geographic uh, world that we live in. A Tokyo area shuts down as powerful typhoon lashes Japan. The, the worst uh, hurricane in six decades. 
that they're having over there. So we think of Luke chapter 21 where Jesus said, the sea and the waves will be roaring. And men's hearts will fail them from the fear and expectations of things that are coming upon the planet. Uh, with fear, and uh, uh, there will be perplexity, uh, Luke 21. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, perilous times. And uh, man, you look at what's going on, and, and uh, I, I don't want to scare you tonight, but I might. Um, and then there's this. this. I don't think this is a surprise to many of us. Exclusive Polish MP Soros, George Soros, wants to rule the world as master of the puppets. Uh, does that surprise anybody? So, Revelation chapter 17 uh, tells us that there's going to be ten kings that are going to be ruling the world, and they're going to give their power and authority to the Antichrist, to the beast. So there's going to be ten of these elite rulers. And um, so I look at this, and everything's just kind of setting up that way. Uh, dink? I don't think so. The Economist admits that President Trump is trying to destroy the new world order that globalists spent decades trying to build. <laughs> then there's this. New York Times columnist admits there's an anti-Trump uh, deep state but claims members are the good guys. <laughs> so there you go, right? So as we look at the prophetic things, how much they tie into Daniel, tie into the book of Revelation. But when we look at the future, we go, wow, it's like the, the future is here. Um, but in the place we are tonight with, with Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, remember the king of Babylon, they're going back and forth. Uh, king of Babylon isn't going to be with us after tonight, by the way. This is the last night he's going to be with us. He'll be gone from the pages of the Bible shortly, like in about 45 minutes. Um, but uh, we think back, uh, remember where we were, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had this great big statue that was made out of gold, gold overlaid wood, um, and uh, he commanded everybody to bow down and worship the statue, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to, the three Jewish boys, he threw them into the fiery furnace, and he said, yikes, it looks like the Lord's there with them, not even their hair was singed, remember that? Okay, so that's where we left off. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar, he said, when we left off, he saw, he said, it looks like the Lord is in there with those three Hebrew men. Verse 29 of chapter 3, therefore, Nebuchadnezzar said, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Nebuchadnezzar had this weird thing about cutting people in pieces. Remember that? He just, if you made it mad, cha 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 cha. <clears throat> I don't think it's pleasant. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there's no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So we end chapter 3, and it appears that Nebuchadnezzar is praising the God of heaven, right? That's where we leave off. Um, we begin chapter 4. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar the king. It's just a continuation of where we were. Verse 29, he's, he makes a decree. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, we start to see how it goes. To all peoples, nations, and, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. 
How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. He's going, man, right? It's just, uh, this is awesome. Verse four, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I was at peace. All was good. Verse 5, but I saw a dream which made me afraid and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream that I had. Then the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, soothsayers came in and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, in him is the spirit of the holy God. Interesting. Here Nebuchadnezzar says, according to the name of my God. So remember how he's praising God a minute ago? Going to cut up anybody in pieces who doesn't worship him? And now he says, well, I have my God. He's Babylonian God. But Daniel has this holy God. It's like his mind shifted. Again, interesting how that works. Doesn't go well for Neb. Just telling you. But Daniel is, has the spirit of the living God, or Belteshazzar as he's known here, a chief of the magicians, verse 9, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I've seen in its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. So he says to Daniel, here's what I saw. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen uh, to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to find out, he is the tree that he sees in the dream. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher. What's a watcher? A holy one coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven. Let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man and let him be given the heart of a beast. And let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence of, by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives, to he, gives it to whomever he will, and he sets over it the lowest of men. God, God makes men great, and, and God can make the lowest of men over... Uh, God can do whatever he wants. And so he's, he has this dream, he's, what on earth is going on? Uh, Daniel, you've got to let me know. A Nebuchadnezzar, um, you saw... He praises God of heaven with his lips. And then he says, Daniel, you are full of the Spirit of God, but I've got my little G. Right? So you saw that. So what, what are you, Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar's problem is still himself. Uh, the, listen to this. This is um, David Jeremiah in his book. He has this one chapter called The Gospel According to Nebuchadnezzar. He's talking about Napoleon. 
On the morning of the Battle of Waterloo, Napoleon was describing to his commanding officers strategy for that day's campaign. He said, we'll put the infantry here, the cavalry over there, and the artillery in that spot. At the end of the day, England will be at the feet of France, and Wellington will be the prisoner of Napoleon. The commanding officer responded, but we must not forget that man proposes and God disposes. That's exactly what was just read to us from the Bible. With typical arrogance, the little dictator pulled his body to its full five feet two and replied, I want you to understand, sir, that Napoleon proposes and Napoleon disposes. Ouch. Doesn't that sound like Nebuchadnezzar? Victor Hugo, the novelist, wrote, From that moment Waterloo was lost, for God sent rain and hail so that the troops of Napoleon could not maneuver as he had planned. And on the night of battle, it was Napoleon who was prisoner of Wellington in France, was at the feet of England. If you ask me what the most fundamental sin is, I would answer without hesitation the sin of pride. Pride is basic to all other sins. It's simply, it is simply exaggerated and dishonest self-evaluation. It was the sin that began. It, it was the sin that began sin when Satan said, "I will be like the Most High God." Pride is at the top of God's hit list. Well, herein is the testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, so we begin with the first part, first few verses. It's his personal testimony, and, and you gotta kind of like this part if you didn't know the whole story. I praise the God of heaven. Everybody's got to worship him or you're going to be cut in pieces. I mean, that that part's not exactly the Christian thing. Uh, But you you get the, I mean, he's talking about God. We hear his testimony. Uh, It's a declaration of of praise, and apart from cutting up people, it's the description of of conversion. Verse 2, I thought it good to declare. It's good to declare what God has done for us. Satan wants us to keep silent about the good that God has done, but it's good to declare what God has done for us. It's interesting, Nebuchadnezzar can admit that he's, he's had issues, but here he focuses on the praise of God. Listen, in a sense, this is a good model of a testimony. Um, often when a Christian is asked to give their testimony, uh, for let's say they're given a half hour to speak, you'll get about 29 and a half minutes of glory to Satan in the way they used to sin. And at the very end, oh, oh yeah, and I found Jesus. Thank you. What's that? The testimony is the testimony of what God has done in your life to the glory of God. It's your gospel story. That's what a testimony ought to be. It ought to be a praise to God. Um, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, here we don't see him recounting his sins, but he does recognize he was an evil man who God humbled and that he needed to be humbled. So at this point, it, what he reminds me of a lot in this, in, in fact, this whole story reminds me a lot of Manasseh. Manasseh was a king in Judah. Second uh, Kings chapter 21 says, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood uh, till he had filled Jerusalem with blood from one end to another, besides the sin by which he made Judah sin in, the, in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Innocent blood of all different types, including sacrificing babies. Um, Manasseh's the one that uh, made sure that Judah uh, went, they, they had the, the god of Molech in this valley. This is the Hinnom Valley. 
He had, he had the god of Molech placed down there. They'd heat up the arms of the god of Molech, and they would lay newborn babies on the arms of the god of Molech, and the, the baby would be sacrificed that way. Uh, there, there would be chants that would be going on. There would be drums that would be drumming. And they would drown out the cries of the baby that's dying. You know what we have now in America? In the world, we have, we have the newspapers and the media that drown out the cries of the babies that are sacrificed uh, on the altar of, of Molech, so to speak. Um, by the way, for all of you who think Fox News is, the only, is, the only, is perfect, um, Robert Jeffress, a pastor, was on a Fox News radio program with Todd Starnes, and he brought up that abortion in America is, is we are offering babies on the arms of Molech. Exactly what this is, by the way. Uh, Todd Starnes, his, he got fired. Uh, so you look at that and you go, you know, Fox News couldn't handle that. So um, God is perfect, right? But it's this valley... Uh, when you go to Jerusalem, this valley, just to the left, you can't see it on the screen, is there's a road up there. And uh, the road is just a typical width road, not a super wide road. A bus can go this way and a bus that way. And then right there is the wall of the old city, right? About where this, about where this is, right? Um, that'd be the wall of the old city. And then you have the Zion Gate that's, that's just right over there. This valley is the Hinnom Valley, again, where... Babies were sacrificed in the, in the arms of Moloch. It's also the same valley that Jesus used to describe hell uh, when he talked about Gena and the fires. It's, it, was the, it was the rubbish place where all the trash was burnt and that was taken out into, into that valley. Um, when we were driving through Jerusalem, on, the last time I was there, um, it's really pretty, actually, when you're going. It's kind of, but if you know the story, it's very eerie. Now you guys know the story. So you're driving, you're, you're going to drive past it a bunch of times, you'll see it. Um, and I took the microphone and I told everybody on the bus, I said, this is the valley where everything I just described with Manasseh happened. It's, you're looking at it. I mean, the bus is probably, you know, like right on the edge there. But uh, it, you know, may look nice on the outside. You know the story, it's like, ooh. With Manasseh, so he does that, and the Bible says this. this is, I, I look at this a lot like Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, uh, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, carried him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, he, impl he implored the Lord his God, and he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him. And God received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. And then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Wow! Well, what you see is God's mercy. What you see is God's grace. Um, I don't know if this means that Manasseh actually got converted in the process. Maybe it does. Um. It, it certainly means he knew God was in heaven. God uh, proposes, or, or man proposes, and God disposes. You know, God's going to do whatever he wants. God can lift up a man. God can put down a man. God took Manasseh away. Manasseh repents. God brings him back into Jerusalem. He knew that, yeah, God is, is above. 
And if he's truly was a converted man, then we will see him in heaven. But either way, you see God's grace at this, at this place. Because um, Manasseh was wicked and, and King Nebuchadnezzar uh, was not uh, that great. Not that good of a person. And he's, he's wanting to chop off people after he says praise, chop them up after he says praise God. So we have his personal testimony. Uh, then we have the false peace. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. Peace and prosperity. Everything was good. But it was the peace of this world and the prosperity of this world. And King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was about ready to come to an end. It's, it, 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 God shook him from the false peace and false security. It says in verse 5, I saw a dream that made me afraid and it got in my head and it troubled me. It messed him up. God was sending Nebuchadnezzar a warning and Daniel lets him know, listen, that is a warning to you. You're going to have to repent of your ways. You've been giving God lip service. God knows your true heart, Nebuchadnezzar. But, but it's this false peace. It's this false security. Um, and God sends warnings. He's doing the same thing today. Let's just bring this up to date for you and I for just a couple minutes, all right? I want you to think of this. We have a world that is living in this false sense, but we are starting to see our peace and security go away, aren't we? God has been warning about wars and rumors of wars, and warning these things are coming. Same thing is happening with Nebuchadnezzar for his kingdom, but this kingdom of this world it's radically changing. You realize that, right? It's radically changing. So we look at this, we know that Trump pulled out of Turkey. Let me just talk to this for a minute. Trump pulls out of Turkey, uh, out, of, out of Syria, excuse me. Turkey moves in, right? Um, Turkey launches military assault in Syria as Kurdish fighters uh, say warplanes are bombing the region. This is from today, just a few hours ago. Deadly day. At least nine killed after Turkish airstrikes in Syria reportedly target journalist convoy. So if you've been watching the news over in Syria, Turkey is moving in. America is moving out. I find this most alarming. Um, all right, I already got some Fox News people mad at me. Now I'm going to get some Trump people mad at me, all right? Here's, uh, listen to this. I have said that as long as Trump was president... Um, we would always be there to defend Israel if there's an attack that would come from Syria with Russia, Iran, and Turkey. Suddenly Trump pulls out, he says, good luck up there in Syria with Turkey and I don't care about all you Kurds. That's the message that I'm hearing. I don't, may, listen, maybe I'm wrong all right, about this, but this is alarming because in Ezekiel chapter 38, the Bible's very clear. Win that war. You're familiar with the war of Ezekiel 38, the Gog-Magog war. When the war happens, that was told 2,500 years ago, that's going to happen in the last days. Another sign that Russia, Turkey, and Iran would be coming from the north. We see them staged in Syria right now. And they would come from the north. And as far as the world goes, the, nobody in the world will, will come to Israel's defense. Ezekiel 38 lets us know. They're on their own, and Saudi Arabia will protest, and others will protest and say, why are you coming to invade Israel? That's all they're going to do, but they're not going to be there to, to strengthen up and shore up Israel or protect Israel. And you look at this and you go, I, I, 
it surprises me in a sense, but right now, the way it looks, Israel, as far as this goes, is on their own. It's not just Israel. You have, um, you have the Kurds that are just being annihilated. And you look at this and you go, you know, what in the world is going on? Yet the Bible tells us this is how things are going to look. The Bible does not say it's going to look pleasant. In fact, what the Bible presents is a very unpleasant picture. And then we have this, U.S. is moving closer to war as Trump cancels the Open Sides Treaty with Russia and China. So um, I, I don't know all that's going on. But I, I, I do know this, that um, we see things that are developing more and more and more towards everything that Jesus spoke of and the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament writers spoke of regarding the second coming of Christ, we are watching everything race toward that way. Our peace and prosperity is being shaken. People in America are thinking, eh, I'm not so sure. You look at the 2020 elections, you're thinking, either way this goes, it doesn't look good. Um, because there's so many people that are just so angry and ready to riot and just all kinds of stuff. Listen, I'm not trying to to be pro-Trump or anti-Trump or any of these things, but you've come, if you follow me long enough, if you listen to my messages enough, I'm going to give you the facts the way that I see them and what the Bible says, and men are going to make their decisions, and God raises up leaders, and God puts down leaders. And uh, that's how God does it. But right now, everything is going this direction, and, and I look at this, and I go, wars and rumors of wars, uh, another sign. Man, everything is, everything is just so volatile. But let's get back to Daniel, all right? So it appears that Nebuchadnezzar is converted, but it really appears more like a kind of conversion. So he's in peace and prosperity. He has this dream. He goes, uh-oh, I see my future, and my kingdom is about ready to uh, be uh, devastated. God is shaking him up. Listen, when it comes to a conversion, um, oh, oh, oh I, let me do this first. I forgot about this. Um, can I do this? Because this all ties in. Do you want me to come back to this? Do it now? All right. I have permission. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. Check this out. So this says here, A.G. Bill Barr flames unremitting assault on religion, traditional values during Notre Dame visit. Okay, listen to this. This is organized destruction, he says. Um, concerned attacks on religious liberty have triggered a moral upheaval that contributes to deadly social pathologies, Attorney General William Barr said on Friday at the University of Notre Dame. The imperative of protecting religious freedom was not just a nod in the direction of piety. It reflects the framers' belief that religion was indispensable to sustaining our free system of government. The Attorney General said numerous measures of social decline are rising as religion recedes from public life, citing higher instances of drug addiction, mental illness, and suicide. Those outcomes are not random, but the fruit of a dedicated campaign against orthodox religious beliefs, he said. Uh, Attorney General Barr spoke out against the progressive secular campaign against religion and traditional values during this speech, and he said this quote, this is the quote, this is not decay. This is interesting. He said, this is not decay. He said, this is organized destruction. Uh, you look at that and you think, 
That's what the Bible, that's what Daniel lets us know. When you look at the statues and everything going this way, it's organized destruction. I've been saying that for years. There's a narrative, it's uh, the, the, the organizer of the destruction is Satan the destroyer. And you got half the world that is going along with this narrative to remove, uh, uh, remove our freedoms. I want to talk about freedom of speech that is going away. Uh, next time we'll deal with that. But we were watching this. He said, this isn't decay. This is purposeful uh, destruction. It, it, it's planned destruction. And you'll look at that. So listen, God warns us. I'm going to get back to the God warning us part in, in just a few minutes. We're warned. Nebuchadnezzar was warned. But up here, Nebuchadnezzar had a conversion. So let's get to this. Let's get to a takeaway. Being impressed with God is not the same as being converted. Right? So let's think of this. With Nebuchadnezzar, he has Daniel uh, tell him his dream in chapter 2, and then Daniel interpret the dream. Remember that? And, uh, oh, the God of heaven, oh, he's awesome. Remember that? And that was number one. And then what's he do? 20 years later, he has this great big gold statue built of himself and says, everybody's got to worship it. If not, you're in the fire. Go in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sees the Lord in there. Oh, no, the Lord God of heaven, he is God. That was round number two. Lip service. Twice it was lip service. And here this time, will it be lip service again? Because God is going to humble him. In verses 6 and 7, he seeks the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, um, he seeks the counsel of the soothsayers, the magicians, the astrologers. Remember when he did that before? In chapter 2, he sought their help. If they couldn't help him, they, he cut them into pieces. He cut, he cut everybody up that he gets mad at. But the first thing he does is he seeks the counsel from the ungodly, and they can't tell him what the dream is. So then he seeks counsel from the godly. Verses 8 and 9, specifically, he, he uh, turns to Daniel. Funny how people do that, isn't it? Uh, even Christians will go outside of the Bible and say, I've got this problem, and you go everywhere but to God. You go everywhere but the Bible. Oh, this is our, our, this is our book. This is our counseling manual. Uh, and you get help, and you get prayer and ministering, but the problem is Listen, there's people out there that can help you, but the problem is we tend to go, even as Christians, go to them first. Especially with spiritual problems and emotional things um, where we really need to say, okay, Lord, show me. And, and God will, listen, God will work through doctors. But why is it that we'll, we'll go through the process for five years and then we'll finally say, well, I guess I better turn to God now. God was probably trying to get your attention from the very, very beginning, but man, we can be stubborn people. In, in verses 10 through 17, this dream is described. Verses 10 through 12, this tree is noted, and again, Nebuchadnezzar is the tree for size, strength, prominence, beauty, fruit, and shelter. Verses 13 through 14, it's marked to be chopped down, lose its size, strength, prominence, beauty, fruit, and shelter. Also, verses 13 through 16, the stump would be left in the ground with iron and bronze so that men will know, verse 17, that the Most High God rules. Um, but but it, 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 this, here in verses 13 and 17, um, 
Nebuchadnezzar sees the watcher and the watchers. What are they? I, I think these are, it's an angel or angels. It says the holy ones. But if you hear that, you go, does that mean these, we got angels watching us? I don't know, I'm just moving on, because you look at that and you think, man, I, I, I believe, call me nuts, when we get to heaven, you're going to say, Pastor Tom was right. I believe that the spirit world, the, 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 the good angels and the bad angels, a.k.a. demons, fallen angels, uh, live in a different dimension. And I believe they're everywhere around us. Um, and I believe when you have a, a house full of believers, you probably got a whole bunch of good angels that are in here, uh, it, it, which is good news. But when you, you, you get outside of, you, you, you get around the things where Jesus isn't worshipped, uh, you're going to start, there's going to be this evil activity that's going to take place. Um, I, I think that's partly what's happening to America. God was removed from schools in the 1960s. Uh, people uh, make sure that everybody knows they don't want God in the schools. They don't want God in the courts. They don't want God in Sacramento. They don't want God in Washington. They don't want God all over. But I'll, I'll praise God for this part for Trump because he does seem to want to bring God into everything. And I don't agree with all of his decisions. I think some can be concerning. Um, but praise God, none of us are perfect, but keep God on the throne. Um, let's move on. We have the painful interpretation. We've got to get through this because I'm really hungry for a burger. Um, 18, so Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He brings Daniel into it. This dream I, verse 18, Nebuchadnezzar have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able for the Holy Spirit, uh, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. Uh, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, there it is again, that's his Babylonian name, was astonished for a time and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dreamer's interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. Let this, I know what I see here, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm hoping it's not for you, I'm hoping it's for other people. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and put its fruit abundant, which was for food for all under the... Uh, which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and have become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And as much as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. They shall drive you from men. In other words, you're going to lose your throne. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like an oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven. In other words, while you're out there in the middle of the field, in the grass, eating like an animal. 
You're just going to get wet. The dew, that's, that's what that's referring to. Um, they shall drive you for men. Uh, your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break, listen to this. Verse 20, break off your sins. In other words, repent. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. He's saying, uh, uh, you're done. This isn't looking good for you. But perhaps if you repent, God will show mercy. But your kingdom's not lost forever. You'll be brought back. Remember Manasseh? He sinned, taken away. He repented, and God brought him back so that he would know the Lord. The same kind of thing seems to be happening here with uh, Nebuchadnezzar. But we know this is painful to Daniel. Daniel, uh, here, uh, verse 19, he's troubled. Let this be a dream and its interpretation about one of your enemies. Daniel seemed to care about Nebuchadnezzar. Um, David Jeremiah says it's quite evident that Daniel loved this reprobate. Daniel, it was painful to Daniel, and it was horror for the king. Real quick, the king, there's, there's a disease or name that's given to something like this, but his fingernails grew long, he grows feathers, he's got this crazy hair, he's on all fours like an ox, he's lost his mind, he's mentally ill at this point, or he's going to be in just a minute, when um, we get to the next verse. Um, there, there's... There's diseases given to this. But he's left out for seven times. Um, what that means, I don't know. Does that mean seven seasons? Uh, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer? Uh, does it mean seven years? Does it mean seven months? Um, the number seven is the number of completion in the Bible. So I believe it simply means until it's complete for you, until God has decided that, that okay, you've learned your lesson. Um, that's what I think is going on there regarding the seven times. Um, if, if most of you, I can tell by looking, are old enough to remember Howard Hughes. Um, and how, remember how that happened to him? We used to read, see it in the, in the news, in the newspapers. And he, he, he went crazy. And he wouldn't let anybody near him. And his fingernails grew all long, and he got psycho looking and the whole bit. Richest man in the world at his time. Um, God lifts up kings, and God puts down kings. He can raise up the lowly, just as it says here in this passage. Um, but Daniel is tells them, listen, this is going to happen to you unless you quit sinning and you show mercy to the poor. That's genuine repentance. You stop your sin and you show mercy. You become, instead of a, a problem, you become a blessing. Right? Let's get another takeaway. Um, God sends a prophet before he sends judgment. That's what's happening with Nebuchadnezzar. God says, you've got to repent. Nebuchadnezzar, listen to me. These are prophecies about your life. Amos chapter 3, verse 7, God says, uh, the Bible says that God will always send the prophet before he sends the problem. 
He warns. This is what's going to come. Folks, this is what is happening in our world right now. And I praise God that you all are here. But there's so many people that aren't paying attention, that just don't want to know these things, that want to ignore these things. I, I look at it with this generation. We see all these things that are transpiring. God sends the prophet to warn the people because he's a caring God, just like he is with Nebuchadnezzar. And he's saying, hey, you need to repent, you need to repent. And, and, and I think I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again just because it's so concerning to me. Um, I believe that our nation is, is, is told to repent. Um, uh, you look at the things, just this world. Uh, and, and I would hope that there would be an awakening. I hope with, that there would be a revival. But the Bible doesn't paint the picture of a revival or an awakening uh, before the rapture of the church. The Bible paints a picture of an apostate, uh, a church that's turned from God, an apostate church. Um, Jesus says, will I even find faith on the earth? a church that wants to raise up people, teachers who just make them feel good. Uh, that's what the Bible teaches. A form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They're going to they're be going to church, but not really know the Lord. It's kind of frightening, isn't it? But God sends the prophet to warn Nebuchadnezzar ignored. Unfortunately, it appears that in our world right now, that's, it, the message is being ignored too. Uh, another takeaway... Uh, we need to tell people what they need. They need truth and they need grace. right? That's what Daniel does. I'm going to hurry through this. But sometimes as Christians, all we give out is the truth part. And we forget the grace. Uh, we just get angry. You're going to hell. Let me dust my feet off. Uh, there's, Daniel had truth and grace. Daniel, I hope this message isn't, or Nebuchadnezzar, I hope this message isn't for you. I love you. I it can't be for you, but here's the truth, Nebuchadnezzar. It is for you, and you need to repent. Um, sometimes we can have all grace and no truth. Daniel didn't do that either. He gave both. I love you. Uh, it's been well said. Um, you've heard it. People don't care what you know unless they know that you care. So Daniel is letting Nebuchadnezzar know, man, I love you. I care about you. Uh, and then you give him the truth. Uh, we would good do good to do that. Sometimes we can give just all grace because we don't want to hurt somebody or hurt their feelings. That's called sloppy agape. You know, you just, ah, everybody's going to heaven. Let's just do a group hug and let's fly up. That's not what the Bible teaches, right? This truth and grace. But people got to know that you love them and you care. You, gotta, you, you, have, to, you have to earn their respect. Does that make sense? They need to know that you care. And then you can tell them. And even here, as Daniel told him, he doesn't earn his respect and then just blast away. It's like, oh, this is painful for me. Uh, does it make sense? Okay. Um, let's move on because we need to. Uh, it's the declaration of praise. We're, we're almost done here. Uh, verse 28. Let's get to the end. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to be like an oxen. He's going to lose his kingdom, right? Check this out. At the end of the 12 months, at the end of a year, in other words, 12 months after Daniel had talked to him and said, you better repent, he didn't do it. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is this not the great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling? By my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty, 
He did not listen to Daniel. He was scared in his dream. This isn't the first time. This is round three. While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And they, sh- oh, right. and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. Seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That the very hour the word was ful- that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar, he was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. I told you. And at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, in other words, at the end of my trial, I finally came to the end of myself. A, we need to get there, don't we? I, I lifted up my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. In other words, I lost my mind, but now my mind has come back. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, His kingdom from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of earth, no one can restrain His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Yes, he is. Notice how this time he didn't say, "Ah, you're all going to be cut up into pieces. (laughs) He seems to be changed. He was, in the words of C.S. Lewis, he was treated with a severe mercy. This is round three. Genesis chapter six teaches that God says, my spirit will not strive with man forever. Round one with Nebuchadnezzar, he has the dream, I praise the God of heaven. Round two with Nebuchadnezzar, 20 years later, uh, throws the boys in the fire, and then he says, I praise the God of heaven. Round three, you've lost your kingdom You've turned into an animal. How's that working out for you? Not too good. He was treated with a severe mercy. Um, many commentators say the iron that's spoken of here it was probably he was probably put into the middle of a field with an iron fence around him. It would have been like a zoo creature, and the kids would have walked by it too hideous to look at. That was your king. But now his mind is returned to him and God has restored his kingdom. He was treated with a severe mercy. He was thankful for the misery. He is now able, at the end of my time, at the end of my trial, I can praise God. I can praise him. Uh, Here's something to think about as we close out. Uh, God's judgment may be slow, but it is certain. It is certain. Nebuchadnezzar, lip service, 20 years later, lip service, he has this last dream that troubles him. Twelve months later, look at the great Babylon I have built. I am awesome. Right? 
God's judgment may be slow, but it is certain. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 says, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, the heart of the sons of men is fully set uh, in them to do evil. The, the uh, NLT says it this way, when a crime is not punished quickly, people feel it's safe to do wrong. Does that not describe America? Uh, you don't have to go to jail anymore. You can steal stuff. And uh, so that's the world that we live in. Apparently, Nebuchadnezzar, God, was, God is full of mercy. And sometimes we take that mercy to a place. God's judgment is certain. And, and you might be like Nebuchadnezzar, where it's been lip service, lip service, lip service, lip service. God has a way of dealing with us. And uh, sometimes we can, we can look at his mercy and grace and think God is just winking at our sin. He is not. He's not. God is full of mercy. Uh, last takeaway, final thing, I'll close with this. Sometimes God has to hurt us to heal us. And that's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Folks, sometimes that happens with you and I. There's hope for you and I as if you're a believer because we have hope God can save my friends and family members who are like Nebuchadnezzar, really stubborn and don't want God. God has a way of getting a hold of people. But there may be some of you who are in here and you're thinking, you know what? I'm pretty stubborn. God hasn't really gotten a hold of me yet. That's between you and God. I don't know who you are. And you might be thinking, I'm just playing the church game, or I just, or, or whatever it is. You need to repent. Take it as a warning. You need to turn from whatever it is. Take it as a warning, like it was with Nebuchadnezzar. Because what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, you don't want that kind of stuff to happen to you. Because God has a way of getting our attention, and sometimes when He does, it's really painful. You'll praise Him when you come out the other side you will not be praising him in the middle of it. And if that's you, between you and God, say, God, I need to get right with you. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.